On this week's episode, it's all Virgo energy and literary fiction, plus booktubes, reading series, and Emerald City, the debut novel from Dead Rabbits Books. All of that and more right now on Mike Seibert Radio. Hit it! Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host, and I've got two really cool guests on the line with me now that I have uh, I've been looking forward to talking to them for uh, for a few months now. We've uh, uh, we've been kind of building on this interview uh, behind the scenes for the last uh, couple months. We're going to get literary up in this biz here today. Um, so my two guests uh, from Dead Rabbits Books, I have editor-in-chief uh, Katie Rainey, and I have author of the brand new book Emerald City, uh, which is available now. Uh, Brian Birnbaum also joins me. How, uh, how are you guys doing? We're doing great. We're doing absolutely fantastic. <laughs> We're excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us, Mike. We're excited about this. You're welcome. I, and again, like I alluded to, it's it's something we've been uh, looking forward to to uh, quite some time now. Originally, we were going to chat prior to the release of Emerald City, but now that it's here, we're uh, um, you know we had mentioned in pre-show that you guys are really kind of like in the hard part now in like the actual uh, getting on the stump and promoting the book. Um, so uh, so this works out uh, really nicely. And some other things that we're going to allude to. Uh, in just a little bit that kind of kind of brought us together to begin with. Uh, but before we get too far, um, let's kind of start from zero. Um, uh, why don't you guys introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about yourselves, and then we'll kind of get into uh, really quickly what Dead Rabbits is, you know, as far as a uh, concept, the website, the podcast, the reading series, all of that stuff, and then we'll, uh, we'll get into Emerald City and talk about what that's all about. Man, so... I am so used to being the producer and behind the scenes that I mm-hmm. just quickly was like, oh, I have to introduce myself. And so I was like running through <laughs> a little bio in my head of what I was going to do. So I'm Katie Rainey. I'm the editor in chief of Dead Rabbits Books and the co-host of the Dead Rabbits reading series, how this whole thing started. Um, we started, so uh, I don't know if people know what a reading series is, but they're all over New York and in some other areas. We started a monthly reading series about uh, five years ago in New York City, and uh, my co-host and I, Devin Kelly, and basically it's a monthly reading series where we have poets, fiction writers, nonfiction writers. We've had some musicians and visual artists come and share their work. I think we even had like a like a rapper one time, maybe. Oh, cool. I don't know. 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've had like people of all ilks come and share their work. And uh, so we've been doing that for the last five years and built up quite a community of rabbits. <laughs> and um, so we decided about a year ago to launch the press. And I'll let Brian really tell that story because you've got it down pat. I don't know. Do you want to tell it now? Yeah, yeah. Without without explaining the book itself, just um, how it how the press came about is I was basically like the mascot at Dead Rabbits, mm-hmm. the, the reading series. Like I would show up and I would kind of like, like sell raffle tickets and just like talk to people and sometimes tell people to shut up in the back and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so, uh, and yeah, I don't know. So I, I, I mean, you know, Devin, Devin is a best friend of mine and, and now Katie and I are obviously together. And, um, so when I basically, I, I, so backtracking, I basically had an agent, um, at the writer's house and it didn't work out. Um, they left the industry and, uh, didn't really pass me along. And so I, I was kind of still reworking my novel, uh, uh, for the revisions that we had discussed, you know, and I was getting a little disenchanted with the process, you know, I was putting it out there again and I wasn't, I was getting bites, but no, no, like no one was picking it up again. And just one day out of the blue, I, uh, kind of like jokingly threatened to self-publish the novel (laughs) to, uh, to a friend of mine, uh, Jonathan K. um, we just, we just call him John, but, um, yeah, he, and so he, he's our third partner now. Cause he's the one who said, why don't we just start our own press and, and release your book first? And I was like, man, that's, that's a really good idea. Like the first, the first thing I thought of was kind of like at the turn of the century, um, when, when a lot of hip hop artists started making their own labels and stuff yeah. and started taking, taking control of their own music, you know, cause like who knows it better than them, you know? Um, and you know, we like to think we have pretty good taste. So, <laughs> so yeah, we, we, the first thing I did was hire Katie, even though Katie's really my boss at this point. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and John, I remember John kind of being like, well, like what the hell, this is a pretty unilateral move for something that I started. <laughs> and then of course, like a year later, like he, he knows that she's absolutely indispensable. Um, and so, you know, at this point, like it, it feels kind of selfish at times cause I've spent so much time focusing on my own book, you know, like working through it and getting ready for it. But, um, you know, I also really enjoy my part, uh, it, like my, my, my position in the press really is like going through submissions and kind of reaching out to writers and really just kind of like boots on the ground stuff like that, you oh. know? Um, yeah. So, um, it, it's tough. Like, you know, I, I go through submissions and I don't, and you know, we're separating ourselves from other presses a, because we want to be community driven. Um, and I bring that up because I don't just send out form rejection letters like 90% of the time, like most presses do. I take the time to respond like very personally. And I was really scared the first time that I responded, um, that I, that I sent a rejection letter. I mean, it was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. But then immediately I got feedback that was like, you, I was not, they're, they're not expecting that because they've come used to, they've gotten so used to people just, giving form responses or not responding at all, you know? Um, yeah, we're, so we're really trying to build a press that cares about writers. I mean, that was what we went into this. We were like, okay, there's a lot of indie presses out mm-hmm. there. So how do we want to differentiate ourselves? And not to say that other small presses aren't community driven as well. We're like really close with so many or fr- like we have our shout out to our friends at like Mason Jar and Atticus mm-hmm. Review. But and, they're also small presses, you know? And yeah. I think that's yeah. really where it's at. Like I, I do think there's an element to our thinking of, at least to my thinking, where I do think that 
liter- literary fiction and nonfiction um, uh, really will be in the hands of the artists themselves mm-hmm. more and more. So, uh, but yeah, so that's my side. But um, Katie is like the publicity mastermind, uh, <laughs> marketing mastermind, and John is Which just is like, how we met you, Mike. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah, I I just show up <laughs> and be and and be very nervous about yeah. it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, the the first thing that that struck me about uh, Dead Rabbits, you know, a- after uh, you folks had initially reached out to me about being guests on the show, and again, thank you so much for thinking of me. That's uh, uh that that's it's incredibly thoughtful and exciting. Yeah, well, your show is awesome. Thank you. We uh we try, um, but uh, a couple things there. When I started doing a little bit of uh, research and investigation into Dead Rabbits, because I'm like Dead Rabbits, what, what's this all about? And uh, but it really struck me as um, you know, you've talked about it being a press, but I see it as a community. Community, you know, between kind of like the origins from the uh, reading series and, you know, obviously the the website and the podcast and now the debut novel, uh, Emerald City, that has, uh, you know, come out from Dead Rabbit's books. It just uh, and and even as leading up to the release of the book, um, you know, in terms of like, you know, uh, uh, the videos uh, that you've done and, you know, some of the other uh, viral marketing thing, you know, kind of it's it rallying a community more or less, you know, kind of calling fans rabbits and, you know, just kind of, you know, kind of having it just kind of really taking ownership of it. Um, I, I just I think the sense of community is is it's just a really cool thing. Yeah, we're chock full of rabbit puns over here. <laughs> yeah, especially our newsletter. Again, all, all, all credit to Katie on that one. <laughs> I don't know. We've been doing that since we started the reading series. We just like initially started addressing all of our community as rabbits or like, you know, making rabbit puns. And so that just naturally translated into the press, I yeah, guess. Yeah. And it, I think it like it released. I remember when the series first started, it was just that very morbid yet joyous call to for for everyone to put their dead rabbit paws together for the next reader you know blah 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 (laughs) we did one really funny thing in our first year we tried to do a lot more in our first couple years like raffles and trivia and stuff and that that's kind of fallen out just because like people are really there for the writers and we're like okay we don't really need a gimmick or anything but we do mad libs we do play mad libs (laughs) dirty mad libs dirty Dirty mad Mad libs yeah very important i love that but when i and i i have protested when Devin has continuously tried to stop Stop doing it because yeah. I think it makes him very nervous. People like it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'm like, no, I'm not letting you stop this. This but is the best part. One funny thing we did was the first Valentine's Day we had a reading. Um, we did a, a dead a dead Valentine's, you know, dead rabbits Valentine's themed, and we sat at home, me and my co-host, and I think Brian, you helped with that too, and we made like morbid Valentine's Day cards and passed them out to everyone who came to the reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty fun. And 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 regarding the press, like, yeah, it's it's one of those things where, as Katie will always say, most of our readers at most of the readers at the reading series are people that just come and uh they're like, hey, I'm a writer. Um, this is what I do, blah, blah, blah. And then we have them read. Yeah. And, uh, and, and for our, pre- for the press itself, um, uh, we have a writer, Annie Krabbenschmidt, who just read at one of the, one of our series, you know, one of our events. And I, she was the first person to read that night. 
And I immediately uh, concocted a long con scheme to basically get her on the podcast, whereupon I could ask her to write a book for us. Ah, <laughs> I like that. So now yeah. She's, now, yeah, now yeah. she's writing a book for us. So it's so. like, so, yeah, it's like super yeah. grassroots in that sense. And like, I don't know, we, we, we like that a lot, you know, and, and that's why we've also done podcast episodes about, you know, what it's like to be a writer not in New York or a big city or something like that and uh, to feel disconnected and how we can kind of change that and... um but yeah, so you're you're totally right. It is it's it's all about community and it's like it's while we are a you know, it a press is a business. It's also something that, you know, to to keep it going, you have to keep people engaged and interested and that's the best way to do it, you know. Absolutely. I I think that's awesome. And so um, you, you've addressed this within the context of the Dead Rabbits podcast, which I would recommend to folks listening. Uh, it gets, uh, oh, well, it's it's very well produced, uh, you know, so for, you know, it's interesting with, with podcasting, a lot of the podcast listening audience is other podcasters. Like most of my friends are also podcasters. So we listen to each other's shows and it's mm-hmm. it, it gets weirdly incestuous at times because it, it does, it does <laughs> yeah. kind of feel like, we're we're doing our shows for each other <laughs> but um but I, I i really like uh the dead rabbits podcast it has a you know intellectualism and and highfalutin that i uh that i really like when i want to get my literary on and it's I, I just enjoy the uh, the platform that you give to these independent art- artists and these uh, uh, these folks that you talk to. It's just uh, you know it, it feels like it's kind of like a weird East Coast distant cousin from some of the stuff that I do because you know yeah. we just we just like to you know talk and and you know tell me your story that uh, that kind of thing. Uh, but I, I bring that up because uh, you've addressed this within the context of the podcast. But for folks that are listening here that that uh are being exposed to uh emerald city the new novel and dead rabbits as a concept for the first time um maybe kind of like uh kind of get into a little bit of the uh a story of why why dead rabbits specifically you know we kind of alluded to some of the morbid seal but uh maybe expand on that a little bit well um that's definitely my story Mm -hmm. i guess uh so about five years ago, um, you know, I mentioned Devin Kelly, who's a writer and a poet here, and he's like one of our best friends. About five years ago, nearly to the day, like two weeks ago, um, he out of the blue, uh, you know, just texted me and was like, hey, I want to start a reading series in our neighborhood. Because at the time we were living in East Harlem, we now live in West Harlem. And I don't know, for folks who are not familiar with the New York literary scene, everything happens in Brooklyn. Um, so like literally every reading you want to go to happens in Brooklyn and or, or, or lower Manhattan or lower Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, and, downtown. you know, that may, that may not sound like anything, but that adds if you live up in, you know, upper Manhattan in East or West Harlem, you know, trying to go to Brooklyn, that puts an hour, hour and a half, sometimes two to three hours, depending on the, the MTA, uh, commute on you to get to a reading and it's so it's just a lot and we really wanted to like 
we wanted to bring good writing to our community and also just that there are really good writers in the Harlem area as well. And so Devin kind of texted me out of the blue and he was like, tired of going to Brooklyn. Do you want to start a reading series <laughs> in our neighborhood? And I said, yeah, sure. And within a week on September 15th, 2014, so five years ago to the date that we released our first book, mm-hmm. we started our first reading series and um, we threw it together in a week. We found a bar that Devin just kind of like was like, I think this bar is cool. Maybe they'll take a chance on us. And that bar is DTUT, downtown, uptown, mm-hmm. in uh, on the Upper East yeah. Side. And they're the best. And they are like the best bar we could have hoped for. Um, they are just like so welcoming. We just threw our launch party there. And we've been, that's been our home for five years. And they're just like, they're incredible people. And they take care of all of our readers and we take care of them. And so we just kind of threw it together. But when we were putting this together, uh, we were like, okay, we got to call it something. What are we going to call this reading series? <laughs> and Devin had been watching Gangs of New York on a loop. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> and yeah, so Devin was like, I want to call it Dead Rabbits. And I was like, okay, let's call it Dead mm-hmm. Rabbits. And then that was born. And when we were expanding into a press, you know, we were like, the only natural thing is for us to call it Dead Rabbits Books. So. That's how the story came. And also we've since in the years learned that both Devin and I have traumatic childhood experiences with dead rats. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I was listening to uh, uh, episode zero, the the first podcast, and I was just like, whoa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was, uh, there was some, some unsettling stuff there. But uh, it def- yeah, it's really sad. So it fits. Ab- absolutely. <laughs> know, we're all kind of morbid. <laughs> yeah. They've, they've been bringing it up in therapy, respectively. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then so, uh, you know, we, we talked a bit about the reading series. What what was the inspiration then to uh, spin that out into a podcast? Was that something that you had considered the whole time or was it just something that, that came up organically or is it like, Oh, Hey man, what's this new pods casting that, 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 that the youngins are all excited about how, uh, how, how'd that extension come about? That's my brainchild as well. <laughs> I'll take credit for that. We, um, after, right after we launched the press and we were, you know, getting stuff together, and working on putting Brian's book out, um, you know, he he was he was on social media and and trying to build up his you know social media numbers as you have to do uh, to be an author and just get like unless you're you know Jonathan Franzen who's got a big time publisher throwing money behind your book, you have to do a lot of grassroots work and part of that is building up your social media or building a, a visible platform for yourself. Yeah, my dad always jokes that I should change my name to Brian Clinton, and he thinks the joke is funny. Every <laughs> Why is that time. funny? I don't know. Because then I would be a Clinton yeah, yeah. And, then okay. and then automatically sell books. <laughs> I don't think that's true, but okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so anyway, so we were sitting around and, uh, and I was realized like Brian, I love him very much, but he's not the best at social media. Mm, um, you know, not. apparently your dog posts are working cause Mike has seen all of your dog posts and knows all about our dog now. So yeah, that's something. Yeah. I love her. My skill. <laughs> I, I, I want, <laughs> I want Rosetta. doggo snuggles. <laughs> Yeah, Rosetta's our, Instagram famous. <laughs> <laughs> well, but so anyway, so he, you know, I was just like, there's got to be something else. So I was, I was thinking about like, what could Brian visibly do that would create buy-in for himself and maybe for the press? And we were actually listening to a Joe Rogan 
podcast sure. one day who, you know, despite whether or not you agree with his views, he is a really good podcaster. Absolutely. Because yeah. he's just himself and he's kind of crazy on the I podcast. I think he's a good podcaster mm-hmm. because he doesn't really have views. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or or they kind of they kind of just meld into the person that's on like into yeah. the persons who's on the podcast, you know? <laughs> well, despite whether or not you agree with him, his yeah. podcasts are engaging because he's just like a good conversationalist. And I was like, oh uh-huh. my God, Brian, you talk so much. <laughs> you would be great at this. So we just decided to like give it a shot. And I was looking around for equipment and I actually happened um, to mention at a, I, I, for my day job, I work for a nonprofit and I teach um, high school, high school girls uh, creative writing. And I happened to mention to one of my nonprofits board members that we were thinking about a starting a part podcast. And he was like, oh, we did a podcast years ago and we're done with it, but we have like all of this equipment that we'll never use. Do you want all of it? And I said, oh my God, yes, oh, wow. please. Yeah. <laughs> so we got really lucky and got donated a lot of really nice equipment. And luckily, like I'm like a sound um, editor as well. Like I went to school for it and have worked in sound departments. I just couldn't afford my own equipment. And so he just like handed all the things that we needed. And so that's that's kind of how the podcast started. Uh, yeah, I think you're starting to realize that I'm basically like the Manchurian candidate <laughs> dead rabbits. Like I just they just plug me in where where they need me. Yeah, and but I, we and, wouldn't. And, have... I, and I and I I give the speeches to rally the rally the exactly. <laughs> exactly. But also, I, uh, Mike, we would I have t- never started the press if Brian hadn't been like, right. "Let's do this. We can do this." Hey, man, yeah, teamwork well, makes that dream work. <laughs> It does. Yeah. Yeah. But Mike, you're totally right about the incestuousness. I think that um, honestly applies to almost any art form. Yeah. Like I do think like readers, like writers read more like more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, especially when it comes to like literary fiction and nonfiction, yeah. it's like, you know, it's not as what not quite, you know, it's like even podcasting is kind of like a, a niche sort of like thing. Um, like unless you're like, you know, Katie brought up Jonathan Franzen, like unless you're like Joe Rogan, right. you know, like, yeah. like it's not. Like it, it's hard to get a lot of followers. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, yeah. uh, but the next thing that, uh, Katie wants to, to install me on is a, uh, book tube. She wants me to do a book tube. Which yeah. Is basically do you know like, anything about book? I, I was going to say, what's a book tube? Uh, tell me more. <laughs> I, I, I don't know anything about this. So I actually didn't know either, but in my publicity research for our press, Mm -hmm. like I didn't know people did this. And there are a whole, there's a whole world of people who review books on BookTube or talk about like literary things. Like you can just go to hashtag, hashtag BookTube and find, we actually found a really amazing writer in Italy because of that, who like shares our same um he's called the book chemist Mm -hmm. that's his book tube and he just like talks about books he loves on these videos and they're wildly popular i mean he has like twenty thousand people that follow him just his book tube alone yeah it was it's to the point where we had a a small dinner party the other night it was really just like uh our partner john uh, our third partner in dead rabbits john john k and uh, our friend aaron puchigian who's a great uh greek like classics translator and writer and um and like this, this booktuber is like kind of popular enough that like we brought him up and Aaron's like, oh, I know him too. And this dude like lives in Italy, you know, like, yeah. so, <laughs> so yeah. like I highly suggest checking out his or booktube yeah. if you're really interested. Like there's tons yeah. of people who just watch these videos. So I was like, Brian, you should do some, we should try out some booktube. Cause like, why not? Like, mm-hmm. why not try and see if something works? You know, if it works, then great. We get some publicity for the press and meet new people. And if it doesn't work, then we just move on to the next thing. 
Yeah, and I can also just be goofy and <laughs> yeah, su- it subvert subvert the entire uh, uh, process. I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, and and for independent creators, it's all about trying to you know kind of get your name out there um, and hitting as many of those different platforms as possible. You know, and yeah. and a lot of it is a- anymore. Uh, hitting on non-traditional stuff you know like like booktubes like you were just talking about or podcasts like we're doing yeah. here uh social media you know that kind of thing it's it, it's amazing the the different avenues that are available for indiv- independent creators they just kind of got to work at it a little harder and yeah and yeah it can it could be incredibly discouraging and and it's definitely hard but i think though it and and, and you'd have to uh, let me know about this as we kind of transition into uh, uh the book and 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 obviously the response to it but it it's it's got to be satisfying though when you have somebody that comes up and say hey i i um i heard about your book on this podcast or like i mm-hmm. i heard about your book because you know i i saw um i saw a post <laughs> of your dog and i just want to snuggle and you know <laughs> the, you know that kind of thing you know just kind of like where you can build those connections where um you know again we don't have the muscle of like you know big corporations and conglomerates and 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 for me at least you know being an indie creator myself you know it 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 kind of has a a purity to it you know you don't have outside influence you know kind of getting mm-hmm. in your way likewise you're not really getting the support but you also don't have anybody in your way and also like you know the publicity and everything is great uh but what we've learned more than anything is just by like having different guests on the podcast or like reaching out to you know like you mike or other people is that we've just like made so many good connections and collaborations that have come out of it it's really fun and that's what kept our reading series together and expanding so we're like why not take that model of collaboration into the press and it's been i mean it's been a key point of all everything we do I mean we would like small presses themselves just like little podcasts or you know whatever would not survive without the collaboration of other folks mm-hmm. so we think that's really important and yeah ju- just uh maybe two days ago three days ago I was at a housewarming party yeah two days ago it had to have been Friday night I was at a housewarming warming party for a friend of mine who used to live on 150th, um, where like three doors down from where we used to live. We moved three blocks south um, up here in Harlem, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm I'm at the party like you know someone is talking about my book or something you know, and I, I like I just mentioned that it's from Dead Rabbits and. Like two people there go, oh, I know Dead Rabbits. I follow you guys on Twitter. Oh wow! <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, I'm just like, wow, this is really cool. Like people know about us, and it's you know, um, and it's a lot of it's from the reading series. Like it started yeah. there. You know, that's that's where most people know us from, and now we're kind of just getting the word out that we're doing books now. You know, and that's how we're finding good literature too by just those connections. Like mm-hmm. that's how we found Annie, and we're gonna publish her book, yeah. and like we're meeting all these other people. So. That being said, if you have a manuscript, send it to us. <laughs> yeah, 
for sure. Very cool. Definitely. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so that being said, I think now is as great a time as any to kind of unpack the book Emerald City, which is now available. Um, you know, so uh, where before we kind of because uh, th- th- there's a there's a few different stories that you know I kind of want to talk about because there's there's some there's some Virgo energy going on here, and there's obviously <laughs> yeah. the you. Allu- What's your birthday, Mike? Mine is also the fifteenth. Oh, so, oh, happy birthday! Thank you. Well, happy birthday nice. to both of you as well. So, so actually, yeah. I guess let's go out of order. Let's kind of start here because it, it yeah, it's it, it's uh, uh, Brian. It seems that that September fifteenth, your birthday has been. Uh, you've made it a significant date for a number <laughs> yeah. of different uh, milestones, and yeah, before uh, before we kind of get into the you know plot and talk about the book a little bit, uh, yeah, I guess. Let's because since it's my birthday also, um, yeah. yeah. Let's talk about September fifteenth and and uh, being list making Virgos. <laughs> oh, this is yeah. why we all like each other because you know Virgos love other Virgos. Oh man, yeah. Virgo yeah. energy is what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't recommend the song Virgo by Ludacris featuring Nas <laughs> more. It's it's absolutely phenomenal. But uh, yeah, no, I I, I um I, for me yeah it's a, the launch party. And, and that's when Dead Rabbit started. Mm-hmm. That, that was yeah. the day it started. Yeah. yeah, so we were like, why not just make it all in one, make it super fun birthday party and like also the launch and yeah, and the celebration of the reading series, do all the things in one. Mm-hmm. Very cool. And uh, what'd you do for your birthday, Mike? Um, you know, I, I did a variety of things, and you know, some were more remarkable than others. But I I started um, working. I it was a Sunday. I was working that day. But um, you know, and I don't talk about this on my podcast too terribly much. But for my day job, I I work as a, a show producer and a control board operator at a, a news and talk radio station mm. here in town, and. Uh, here in Seattle and I it's it, it's um, I, I have to sometimes pinch myself because it is kind of a dream come true. I've always been interested and fascinated by radio. I've been, uh, you know, enticed by, you know, talk radio and radio personalities. So it's like, you know, um, radio's always been kind of like a, a, a thing with me. And, you know, I, I pursued it in college. I was on, a, you know, a college rock radio station for, uh, uh, for a few. That's kind of where I got my start in this podcasting stuff. But, when it became like my actual job, you know, there are days with any other day job where it's harder and more monotonous mm-hmm. than others. It's like, but I, I have to take a step back and say, wait a minute, I'm doing the thing. I'm living the dream. I don't really got a whole lot to bitch about here. It's it's kind of okay. <laughs> so, so on, yeah. on one hand, And it's all just a matter of perspective, because like on one hand, it'd be like, oh, man, you got to work on your birthday. And I'm like, but I get to work doing a job that I've dreamed about. And and so, you know, so I started off my day working, uh, but I got um, I got to watch my Seahawks on on TV for a few um, later on, I recorded a uh, awesome uh, podcast with a few buddies of mine where we did a uh, we did a read through of basically their uh, spec script for a Transformers comic book. 
And it's so, so there was uh, uh, six of us and we're all like, you know, doing the lines for each other and just, uh, just having a, having a blast with that. You know, it's kind of like a, a, a radio play, but none of the production value. <laughs> it, was oh, just, yeah. it was just hanging, <laughs> just hanging out, just, uh, just, uh, 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 fucking around and yeah. And just had a, a wonderful dinner with my wife to kind of cap off the evening. You know, we, we went to a, a restaurant, you know, folks in the, you know, greater Seattle Tacoma area would know it. It's uh, Stanley and Seaforts. It's a restaurant that kind of overlooks, uh, downtown Tacoma. And anytime you're going up and down I-5, you'll see it. It kind of sits up on a hill and it has a giant red neon sign that that's iconic and indistinguishable but it's one of those things that that uh you know it's kind of like uh, uh to pull a yogi Berra. it's kind of like nobody goes there it's too crowded <laughs> that kind of thing it, oh, it's yeah. it's um so it's a place that not a lot of folks have been to but everybody knows the sign and the location so we um we we just finally decided it's like well hey man let's uh you know let's just finally go to this place that we've been seeing on the periphery for as long as uh, as long as we can remember you know I'm I, I'm sure you guys have uh, places like that where it's like you know you walk by it like every day and it's like one of these days mm. we we should just go there and. Um, so yeah, I mean that that was kind of my birthday in a in a nutshell. It was uh, I, it was all kinds of different experiences. Kind of, it, it was really kind of like a microcosm of where I'm at right now yeah. in my life. And it was one of those things where I was like, I was like Cube. I was just bobbing my head. I'm like, it, it was. I gotta say, it was a good day. <laughs> Well, like and like a true, I love, like, I love it. I love it. I love the reference. Yeah. Like a true Virgo, you were working on your birthday, yep. as were both of we. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah. So since so since we are on uh, the date and we're we're talking about uh, the fifteenth, and and again, I know we're kind of going backwards here, but um, uh, let's let's talk about the uh, launch party for Emerald City, um, and how uh, how that all went. Oh, it was a blast. It was, uh, I mean, again, I just showed up. <laughs> I have to say that. I literally show up. We set everything up, and I'm just like, Katie, you're you're a fucking genius. Like, <laughs> we we had a we had a big party. I think about a hundred people were there, and in the bar that we host the reading series in, and um, you know, we had a we had a cake with um, Brian's face on it, which yeah. is a funny story because mm-hmm. oh, we yeah. this we. Is great. We ordered it from Wegmans. I don't know if I should call them out right now, but whatever. Um, <laughs> we, we or- I'm sure they're not listening. Yeah, probably not. We're, uh, so we ordered a photo cake from Wegmans, and I wanted a photo of the book, you know, the book cover on the front. And uh, they called me after I submitted my cake order, and they were like, um, we can't print this because of a copyright issue. And I was like, well, we own the copyright. We're not going to sue ourselves. <laughs> like, uh-huh. And finally, you know, we ended up talking to the manager, and she gets on, and she's like, we can't print this book cover because of the nature of the book cover. And I was like, oh, because there's oh. a gun and a joint on it? And she was like, yes, we're a family restaurant or <laughs> business. I was like, oh, okay, fair enough. So I just printed a funny picture of and Brian then for, And then my genius publicity idea was like, let's take this to the Supreme Court and get vindication <laughs> for the, uh, the failed cake uh, a decision right. last time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we did that. We had a bunch of rabbit games and, and stuff and a big, you know, photos and everything. And Brian, we actually, um, 
So this September, uh, a bunch of reading series in the city are partnering with PEN America and the Poetry Project on this endeavor called Breakout, um, a movement to reintegrate incarcerated writers into the literary community. And so it's all about having conversations around incarcerated writers and and how they're seen in the community and how they're honored. And, um, you know, just because there's a lot that comes with being incarcerated. You know, you don't have access to a computer to submit. You have to type every you have to send letters you can't do readings it's all it's like a it's a big thing so we so every reading series series this september hosted the work of an incarcerated writer and we were honored to host the work of a writer named saint james harris wood Mm -hmm. and brian instead of reading from emerald city because we just figured you know what we have a pretty big platform people are going to hear the book he's doing all kinds you know he has a book tour he's going on podcasts and the book was right there for people to buy yeah so we figured here (laughs) let's take this time to use our platform and our privilege to showcase Mm -hmm. saint james's work and and not our own. So Brian read from St. James. I don't know if you want to talk about his work at all. Yeah, no, it, honestly, you know, um, it felt kind of like fate just because like someone, you know, I've heard of, I've heard a lot of, of, of the writing from incarcerated persons, um, throughout this month because of the breakout program. And yeah. I can relate to a lot of things, um, that are being spoken about and, um, and some of the experiences, but, I happened to get the work of someone who just shared a vision of the absurd <laughs> in a way that some of the other writers that I'd heard, I've heard this month, like, you know, are, they're, they're more, it's more of a visceral, um, like this is my experience in prison and like, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's moved me at time. I mean, it's moved me to talk, talk about vulnerable things at reading series before, you know, but, um, but this particular writer just, it was just, it was just full of like, just humor and, and like it was, and I don't know, I could just relate to him so much. It was like, it was like a, like a Jerry Garcia, Ken Kesey sort of like mashup sort of thing. That's how I saw it. You know? Yeah. The Um, room was really into it. Meets like, you know, and cause he's a blues grass. He's like a, a a bluegrass, uh, like, um, musician. And I -hmm. don't know. It's like, he kind of just has that vibe and I don't, and he's just, Oh, we're we're gonna hold on for a second. We got we got a yeah, siren yeah. on this end, Mike. Yeah, they're, they're coming after you. That <laughs> <laughs> they're finally catching up. They're like, hey, are you are you the folks with the book with the fat chronic blunt and the <laughs> Glock and and all that all them Benjamins spilling out there? We have to do you this for get a cake done. I <laughs> know, right? Are you trying to put a gun on a cake? Uh, we do this constantly for our podcast because we do live sure. in New York City. We have to pause for police sirens yeah i kind of like the ambiance but katie's more of a purist i guess yeah (laughs) sure um but then again weed is legal in seattle so you know maybe yes and you know i don't know maybe that's maybe the wegmans in seattle will print it yeah right exactly (laughs) (laughs) and guns are legal in seattle too so yeah (laughs) that's true that's true they do kind of go in hand speaking of you know seattle and emerald city i mean do you want to talk about your seattle yeah, 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 I'm, yeah. Mike, I'm not sure. Are, are you from Seattle? 
yes, I I'm uh, I was born in uh, Seattle proper at uh, at Harborview, and Ooh. I've lived here along the I five corridor my entire life. I I was raised mostly in the North End, in you know kind of a, a Linwood area. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my wife is from Bothell. Uh, and when we got together, we moved to Everett, hang, hung out there for a few. And then in a in a shocking move about uh, uh, 17 years ago, uh, we moved to Federal Way, uh, way down south, about uh, 30 miles south of Seattle, mm-hmm. um, because I was I was chasing a uh, job promotion. And I've been there since. That's past the that's past the airport. That's right? way past the airport. Yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. past the airport. It's past the South Center Mall. Yeah, it's like I said, it's it's about. 30 miles south of uh, Seattle. So, uh, yeah, so while I was in Seattle, I was just absolutely broke working like odd yeah. jobs and like all this stuff. And my roommate, who was the opposite of broke, who worked at Z- Amazon, had a car that whose battery was our wasn't business work- partner. Our business partner uh, had a car whose battery wasn't working. So I literally stayed in a radius of like basically the farthest I went was like Bellevue mm-hmm. or like Mercer Island, sure. you know? <laughs> and, and, and like very occasionally we uh, like, we go hiking or something, but I was pretty much just like schlepping on my feet everywhere. Um, but yeah, I lived, I lived, uh, uh, in this apartment complex called Aspira, mm. which is actually in my book, um, at first. And then we moved up to uh, a place called the Iliad, which is on the hill. Oh, sure. Um, right on, right on olive uh on on bellevue east and Mm -hmm. olive um and yeah i was i was i was there for two years and i still miss it every day i love that city so much and i basically set it there just because it was a the formative experience for me i mean it was it was to the point where like you know i was i was born into privilege and like i lived in the suburbs and this and that and like and then i went out with no plan like john just said come out and like let's and just like live here he knew because i wanted to write you know and so i just i i just i get there i get jobs that i hated or you know didn't want to do and just bounced around and finally found this graveyard shift concierge job that allowed me to write and uh and that's what i did for for pretty much for two years and i made a a shit ton of friends that i still have to this day Um, I would definitely move back there. Um, you know, if, if my parents weren't so, you know, far at this point, you know, there's a lot of love for Seattle and Emerald city. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's called Emerald city. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And I, you know, as I was, uh, making my way through it and, and, and I have to make a confession right here on front street. I, I appreciate Katie, you sending me the advanced reader copy of the book. I have not finished it at this point, but but I am over halfway through, so it's a that's fine. It's a, it's not an easy book. It, it, yeah. yeah, and yeah. and it's interesting because like and it feels like the perfect segue to start talking about the book itself. It's um, I, it's it's um, immediately arresting, uh, but it's also. Um, it, it's dense and it's hard and it, and it asks a lot of the reader, um, which some, which at first kind of, uh, threw me off because I, you know, my, uh, and I'll continue to be honest here. My, I, I don't read a lot of literature, you know, it's like, I, I'll, I'll read a lot of fiction, 
You know, it's like, you know, mm-hmm. and, but it's usually like, you know, pop culture junk stuff. You know, it's like, you know, it'd mm-hmm. be like, you know, science fiction or, you know, genre. I, I, I read a lot of genre. And, you know, anybody that's, mm-hmm. you know, listening to my podcast know that, you know, I'm generally talking about like, you know, comic book superheroes or or yeah. transforming robots. You know, that that's kind of where I live. So it was it was uh, refreshing to uh, be handed something that was a little more of a challenge uh but also with that challenge came well obviously a challenge you know it's just like ooh, i i can i can only consume a little bit of this at a time it's uh uh but but it is incredibly interesting and and congratulations uh brian and katie on the uh publication of emerald city which uh is the debut novel from uh dead rabbits press that is available now um but yeah i guess um uh since we're here Let's start talking about Emerald City because I, I I do have a handful of questions about like you know just uh you know in terms of like you know inspirations and and um you know the thing that I meant to meant to say earlier is you know in in my reading of it I'm picking up on a lot of uh Seattle area Easter eggs it's like oh I I I drive on that highway all the time or you know the, uh, you're really good. Uh, with uh, you know, name dropping locations and uh, e- even certain turns of phrase of times, it it does it, it does feel like there's a there's an ode and a love letter to uh, Seattle and the Pacific Northwest here. Your description of the book, though, could be my description for Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and and honestly, the that that's what you just said is something that. I could have said about my own book before it even came out. Like I knew that there, I knew in grad school when I was workshopping this stuff, like the room would always be divided. You know, there'd be like a half of the room being like, I don't get it. This is more difficult than it needs to Mm. be. Like, why are you doing this? And then there would be another half that it's like, this is what I'm into. You know, like this is like, you know, there's a, there's a poetic or lyrical aspect to it, you know, definitely. Um, uh, or, or like, you know, what, in, in, if to put it in in more glamorous terms of the more glamorous terms of my thesis advisor, a pyrotechnic as, aspect to it, um, <laughs> and and I'm just cool with that, you know. Like there's there's gonna be people that are like, you know what? Yeah, this is a challenge, and like and some people are gonna be like, this is too much of a challenge than it's worth, you know. And that's fine. That's it. That's the book I set out to write, you know. Um, and there's part of me that's like, yeah, I know that I was young and like when you're young, there's an aspect of your ego that wants to say like, look, ma, no hands. Like, you oh, know what sure. I mean? <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? But like at the same time, by the end of writing the novel, I had definitely pared it down to the sentences I wanted them to mm-hmm. be. So it's like, yeah, there's, there's trait, there's like vestiges of like, yeah, it's my first book. And like my mind is working in a way that like, it won't be later in my life. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I just, I just know that it's like, it's going to kind of calm down a little bit and I can already feel that. But, um, but as for Seattle itself, um, you're definitely right. I mean, like I started writing that book with a, like almost like ineffable vision of Seattle, just like slathered in like grunge and neon yeah. and corporate and corporate bigness. And like, I was just obsessed with the city and it's, it's like my fate. It, it, I mean, it, it it just totally changed my life. I, when I when I got back from Seattle, my dad literally told me I had like grown up. You know, it didn't feel like that. But <laughs> um. and I'll say, you know, for the 
publishing part that we we know we knew very well publishing this book too that it would be divided into camps like that there are bad reviews for everything or good reviews for everything and like the reviews that are coming out right now are overwhelmingly positive which, which is I, great which is shocking to me yeah, because i was expecting more of the this is you know uh, a good a good, a good well, example had, a, just just a good example is um we, there's yeah, and I'm gonna try and put this in terms for people that like aren't as familiar with the literary community, sure. or like you know, we I I had a professor Garth Riss Kahlberg at um at Sarah Lawrence, and he got a two million dollar book Whoa. deal. Like this guy is like a big shot, you know. Like we saw him get this deal like at at his desk. It was crazy. But um, he did a he he wrote a profile on one of my favorite writers who blurbed my novel, and um that I can never stop bringing up, uh, Sergio <laughs> de la Pava. Um, who self-published his first book. And when he talked about breaking into his first book, A Naked Singularity, Garth said at the beginning of his profile, he was like, I, at first I was like, I don't get why this is so difficult. Yeah. Like, you know, and then within, you know, 10, 20 pages, he was like, oh, this is amazing. Like, yeah. this is brilliant. And, 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 and more than like, you know, I'm not saying that to convince people to read my book or just keep going. It's more to, it made me feel like, oh, I'm not doing something that's kind of like, for lack of a better term, like masturbatory, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like an intellectual masturbatory exercise. Like, this is actually what I want to do, and there is value to this. And I loved that book, A Naked Singularity. That's why I became clo- I, I've become close to Sergio mm-hmm. and his wife is because it's just amazing. Like, that, like I, it's like finding a kindred spirit, you know? Um, yeah, so they've already been like, I mean, even though the reviews have been overwhelmingly positive so far, we had already prepared ourselves for the the ones that would come sure. in that were like, why is this needlessly difficult yeah. or whatever? Or what is this language? And it's just it's funny, because right now I have the opportunity to address like, at least the language mm-hmm. part, because like, we've already seen there's one review in there that was like, like he just used needlessly big words for no reason to sound smart. And I laughed at that one because the thing is, if you actually meet Brian and like maybe people can hear this on mm-hmm. the podcast is that Brian is like a walking dictionary. Right. I think that comes from you being a child of deaf adults. Is that like your attachment to language is so deep that you just know vastly more words than I ever would. And he can like employ them with a just vehemence that I like I don't know it's it's quite admirable so I was just like oh that's really funny that somebody said that I mean yeah. I'm sure there will be more people that say that and, but. and they will and 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 to me it's more about um the the honesty factor I appreciate when people say you know what this was a bit a bit of a strain mm-hmm. for me yeah. not my cup of tea but it's it's kind of where in workshop I I especially in workshop I learned that people some people aren't willing to say this isn't my cup of tea and leave it at that. Like sometimes, you know, I would bring in a work from like people that I idolize um, that that is also difficult and they'd attack that. And I'd be like, well, you know, I read some easier stuff and I still like it. You know, I find a way to see where other people are coming from. So it's kind of hard to sometimes sit here and be like, uh, you know, people say, oh, you're being difficult just for the sake of being difficult. Where it's like, no, I, I read, I read stuff that's, easier to read mm-hmm. and I enjoy it you know I can empathize with that you know I think like I, I we, do it all the time we really just want to cultivate an energy at least in our press and our community of like of 
openness to experimental literature or or yeah. things like that like we didn't like to innovative language and risk taking because yeah. like Let's, we don't want to put out just like a same like you know the same old airport novel right I mean, right like, yeah. exactly and on the uh, yeah. and, and on the other side of the same coin is that like take someone like annie amy annie krabbenschmidt mm-hmm. like her prose is completely different from mm-hmm. mine i mean it's absolutely clear Almost and, and and not I don't want to say simple. It's complicated, but without using the words that I use, you yeah. know. Um, and it so it's it has nothing to do with like a rigid taste, you know. Um, Here's a fun fact for you. Yeah. One of Brian and I's favorite things when I'm writing, it's a game for him. Oh yeah, right. Is that I will say, give me a word, Brian, and he always gives me a word I don't know, yeah. and I have to look it up, and then I have to use that in my writing, and it's pretty <laughs> funny. So my current novel that I'm working on is sprinkled with burn bombs, burn bomb me and words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a bad influence. As Travis Scott would say, uh, I've seen you pick up on my habits. I feel responsible. <laughs> <laughs> or I've seen you pick up on my yeah. ways. <laughs> I, I like that. And Katie, I think you've coined a new term. Like whenever there's like an especially juicy vocabulary word. Yeah, it's, it's just burn bombs. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, we're we're gonna say it's burn. If somebody if burn bombian starts to become a thing, I will be so happy. That'd be my greatest publicity stunt ever. I don't need all this pressure. You know, a lot of people who have been reading the book have said this would make a really good TV show. Or yes, like now I'm like you're just putting you're putting pressure on me now. Like I don't I don't need this. But but to uh, to your point about burn bombian words, I guess what we did at the launch party is we had burn bombs Mad Libs, where so I I made I cut out a bunch of like. Uh, like burn bomb esque yeah. words from my novel or phrases, and we put them in a jar, and people had to use them in a sentence to make a story, and we read it out, and Devin read it out loud, oh, cool. begrudgingly <laughs> at the end. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna publish that beautiful story on our website yeah. soon. Oh, but anyways, awesome. but yeah, sorry, we could, totally got derailed because you asked about Seattle, and um, yeah, no, I I'll just say that uh, really, I found my niche in Seattle, especially when I moved up to Capitol yeah. Hill. Yeah. Um, because even when you go back now, it's it's so different than in 2012 when I was living there. Sure, um, it was. I mean, I can't describe. I mean, I, you 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 know mm-hmm. better than me. It's like I when I came back for the first time a few years later, I was absolutely shocked. Yeah. I was, you know, I know Seattle probably didn't have nearly as many skyscrapers as it had when I was living there. You know, com- as compared to back in the 60s and 70s when Hendrix was mm-hmm. there, and and then and then even when like Pearl Jam was there in, in the 90s and and grunge. But at the same time, even between 2012 and now, it's it's just shocking to me. Like I set my fictional college, uh, Myriadal College in South Lake Union where there was nothing. There was just a bunch of like empty, like con- like basically like uh, incipient construction. Right. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. And like now, and now there's just Amazon there. You know, it's everywhere. Um, yeah, it's just crazy. So um, I love the city, but there is a part of me that's sort of mourning it a little bit. And I know I kind of sound like the old man, like out in the yard and shit, you know. But, preach it, uh, <laughs> preach it, brother. I mean, again, I, you yeah. know, wh- what you're saying now really deeply resonates with me because, you know, even just, I mean, you know, you were mentioning experience in 2012. I mean, shoot, I'll, I'll say two, three, four years ago, you know, that that recently where, I mean, Seattle has been the crane 
buying capital of the world for like three. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. like even looking outside uh, the window of the studio now, without even having to crane my head very hard, I can see four different cranes up in the sky. They're doing active yeah. construction uh, as we speak. And it's, uh, yeah, it, it's a city that's both blown up, but also can't quite figure out its own growing pains because we've got all you know while the economic explosion there's also been an uh a huge home yeah problem. yeah counter effect massive on, yeah. yeah and i I've, I've i've been reading about that a lot i've kept up with it and like yeah i know what you mean it's uh it's becoming like a lot of things in this country it's becoming very polarized you absolutely know? It's, it's, it's unfortunate um but you know uh I'm, I'm just i'm just really grateful that i got mm. to live there yeah. before it kind of did get become mm-hmm. bezos town yeah you know? <laughs> yeah for sure for sure um so that being said i mean you know we've as as i've joked a, a couple few different times we've kind of sort of worked our way backwards and we've kind of talked all around the book and you know i i could talk about uh you know use of vocabulary as much as the day is long because i mean that mm-hmm. that was that was the very first so thing don't get us started on language and words <laughs> we'll keep going for exactly days. exactly so i don't i don't want to dwell on it too much but i did want to share a quick story in that like uh it was it was one of the first things that struck me about the book and uh my wife shared me uh shared with me the story before i left this morning knowing that i was going to be uh talking to you guys um she told me the story about how like she was watching me first read the book and i um when, when i consume entertainment i'm usually kind of vocal and like you know just like little little verbal ticks or i'll i'll shift but like as, as i would come across a uh something i i would just go hmm and i would read a little more i'd be like huh and and, and she's like what's up it's that's a good word i i like that and and so then once once she once i realized she was on to me i i would say oh i like that you know just just like in in the uh the crafting of the sentences the word choice i mean i mean hey i i'm a huge bad religion fan so i'm i'm used to using a thesaurus for you know uh uh, upper level upper level vocabulary words um Uh so Uh yeah so it's like that was that was that was really kind of a treat and and um you know it it never really once dawned on me that it was you know uh, uh ostentatious or pretentiousness or anything like that it just it felt you know just very organic for what it was it's like oh i know this word i didn't get this word from you know just you know doing the 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 right click thesaurus <laughs> you know it's like it's like <laughs> yeah, 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 th- yeah th- those right, are right. words that you use because you know so i just i mm-hmm. i just i i just wanted to put that uh that button on it there before uh before we got too far away i was again immediately stricken by the uh the depth and craft of the vocabulary i i really enjoyed I, I, it. I very i very much appreciate yeah. that because you you hit the nail on the head it's like i'm not i'm not sitting there like looking, you know, yeah. looking at a thesaurus to figure out how I can sound smart. Right. It's just th- this is who I am. You're you know? also like a dream reader for us, Mike. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like because you, you know. fall into a demographic that's like, oh, you don't read this kind of stuff normally, yeah. but it, you're getting an on. I'm getting an honest take, you and know? you're just like open to it, and you're mm-hmm. like, oh, like I don't know, you're appreciative of it. Like that's the dream, right? Is that we just we reach people who 
who wouldn't normally pick up a book like this and yeah, they can yeah. find enjoyment in it. So mm-hmm. I appreciate uh-huh. that. Well, and again, thank you so much for reaching out to me and, you know, uh, uh, looking to connect. Uh, this is uh, this has been a lot of fun. But before uh, too much time, too much more time gets away from us and uh, we find ourselves uh, uh, chasing that speeding bullet. What is Emerald City about? Tell me a story. What? Let's talk about the. Uh, let's talk about the book. Okay, um, I'm not going to read off the back of the book because I think that would be super boring. That's <laughs> Very a, that, good. That sounds good to you, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, because oh, I, okay, I could cool. do the same thing. I I could read the back of the book to the yeah. audience, but yeah, I figured since we're all here together, yeah, let's. Uh, because I mean, I I think at this point we've kind of set it up as like. We're not sure what this is because, I mean, even, uh, uh, you know, looking at the cover, you know, with, uh, you know, with the, the smoldering blunt and the and the gun and the money, it's like, OK, well, this is kind of like a crime novel. Well, it's mm-hmm. it's kind of that. But once you start yeah. getting in a couple pages, it's like, oh, so this is like, you know, a, a family drama. Well, it's it's kind of that. It's like for for me, at least I, I've um, if somebody were to to ask me to describe the book I would have a really hard time because I I would just say well it's kind of this it's kind of this it's not really that but yeah it's it's really just kind of it's it, its own unique thing so I, I thought it would be fun to have the the author and the editor-in-chief who uh, by her own admission has read the book at least uh, what was it like six, six times, times <laughs> at, at, at the point yeah. we were talking last um, six uh, different iterations and I think it's I think I, I've been editing uh, Katie's novel in progress, and I think it made me over edit hers because I felt so I, I felt so much like uh, <laughs> like contrition about like her. Oh sure. So many times. <laughs> and I I have I have to say that like I didn't just read six slightly edited versions mm-hmm. of his novel. I read six different novels because when Brian rewrites, he writes from the first word to the last. Whoa! <laughs> so it was kind of wild. So I've seen six different, completely different iterations of this book. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So I'll just talk, honestly, I'll start with like, kind of like, I'll just start with how it came about. Cause I think it's yeah. provenance is kind of important in terms of what the book's about. Cause at the center of it is kind of this video relay service fraud, right? Yeah. Like the, this interpretation service for the deaf, this, uh, telephonic video conferencing, uh, if you're not familiar with it, basically a deaf person calls, um, via monitor, um, an interpreter who then dials the number of the person that this deaf individual is trying to call. So if they're trying to call their doctor, it's mediated by an interpreter on a monitor, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so basically my father, um, know, knows pretty personally someone among many people who were defrauding the government through this service. And basically by defrauding the government, I mean, they're hiring deaf people to basically call interpreters on the other side of the room and just, you know, it's getting subsidized by the government. So they just get, they're getting paid for phony phone calls, you know? Um, and so I basically started interviewing my dad about it and I was like, okay, this is like what I'm going to write a book about. And then, and then I wanted the main character to be the son of that care of, of that man, the, 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 his father owns this company. Right. And I was like, okay, as a kid, I struggled with uh, performance anxiety, like in, in sports, like it, it, like I started having panic attacks. It completely, honestly, like ruined my life as much as I hate to say that because I live in a first world country and have all these things that I like other people don't have, sure. you know? Um, but it did, it really damaged 
a lot of like who I was because I was an athlete. That was my identity. And suddenly I found myself unable to perform in basketball and baseball, like these things that I was so good at, you know? Um, and so I wanted to make a character about that and then to kind of infuse more of that and kind of like build that uh, around that character, this idea that he has a father who's basically, you know, spoon feeding him yeah. and it's not done in the right way. And so then I decided I wanted it to be connected to organized crime. And that's kind of how Peter came in. And Peter is kind of just like this Rorschach that he started as this Rorschach of just like all the darkness inside of me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like all this like morbidity and just like fatalism and nihilism. Um, uh, And then, and then Peter's character out of that Rorschach, he just, slowly started to crystallize into like, okay, he was, he was molested as a child. He, um, and so now he's like a heavy drinker and like, he's a drug runner, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so originally it was just Peter kind of tagging venison for this kingpin, you know, kind of being like, okay, well this kingpin's connected to the, to the video relay service fraud. And now that his father has been arrested, which happens, I will, you know, spoiler alert, it happens right at the beginning of the book. Mm -hmm. So everyone knows, you know, So, um, so I had the basic plot there. Um, and then I wrote 225,000 words based off that. And then I just trashed the entire thing. Cause basically I was like, this is dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, one of the syndicate, you know, the organized crime syndicates, um, bosses came to mind and I, and out of that, because Peter had this love interest, Julia, I realized that there could be another connection there. Someone else who goes to Miriadle with Benison and they don't ever really come into contact, but like she's part of this in her own way because she goes to find Peter to run this mystical herb for this lunatic kingpin. Right. Yeah. Um, and Julia just became an interesting character in herself. Really? Like, you know, you have like her parents who have a Romeo and Juliet situation, you know, Montague's and, uh, and Capulet situation where they come from opposing crime families and they, but they ran away and her father's an addict. Um, and you know, cause there's a lot of addiction in there. Mm-hmm. And so you're totally right. Like when you have all those pieces there, um, it sounds like a motley, like, you know, you have the, fi- you have the family saga that's with Julia and her parents and even Benison and his parents in yeah. a way. And then, and, and, you know, and then, and then you have the crime elements with like Peter running, uh, at first weed and then like this weird mystical herb, that this kingpin's obsessed with. Um, and then you have like this corporate fraud element and yeah, it's, it's really just like something that came together. That's like kind of indefinable. So when people ask me what it is, I'm just like, Oh, it's literary fiction because of the language, you know, that's it. Like it's got all those aspects, but that's really all I can boil it down to because I, I, I don't think it can be, uh, boiled down to just one genre or something, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's well that's the best way I can describe it. And 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 it kind of just it plays out in a way that just kind of slowly brings these characters together in a way of how they're connected. But also uh I would say more than that, it's really just a character study yes. of like mainly those three characters, Benis and Julia and Peter. It's really like a very heavily psychological book mm-hmm. in terms of like who are these people, why are they the way they are, and like what are they gonna do about it, you know? Yeah, definitely. And and I, I think that's where 
uh, uh, some of the challenges for folks that don't necessarily consume a lot of literary fiction where it comes in because you're you're spending a lot of dark times with with these characters and really getting to know them and really getting to understand their psychology their pathology and really what what makes them tick and you find as the reader it's not the most pleasant place to be. It makes it very, uh, very compelling reading. But yeah, by the same token, it's just like, oh, this is, this is deep and dark. Yeah, and and honestly, it's it's because it started in a place, you know, of tapping into like a lot of my darkness, and that's where this book comes sure. from. And like, my hope is that it's not a cynical novel. Um, my hope is that people, it, it, it's it's more of a let's look at why bad things happen, you know what I mean, or why why people yeah. feel bad. That's my hope. But you're absolutely right. I mean, it it comes from a lot of my interest in the darker aspects of humanity, and it's totally like, like that's another reason why it might not be for everyone. You know, there's definitely right. no there's definitely no here's why everything's going to be okay <laughs> in this book. You know, right. it's, it's just like, this is life. This is suffering. And like the, a lot uh, and, re, and exposing a lot of the darker elements of humanity, you know? Exactly. Well, and, and not to be cheeky here, but um, nihilism is kind of in, you know, um, you know, I, I think that's where, you know, our, our current world is, you know, it, it's a darker place. You know, we make jokes that it's the darkest timeline. And I think there is a lot of, uh, uh, cynicism, but I think I think when folks look for escapism, I think sometimes uh, folks kind of kind of like to look into the abyss because the abyss sometimes not as dark as uh, as what's as what's looking back at them. Um, yeah, I, wait, I I totally agree, and 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 also just to add to that, um, really like. In the in the final pages, you know, I won't give it. Obviously, I won't give anything away. But especially the final line, like it's my hope mm-hmm. that, you know, because we're living in a world that's becoming a little godless. I would say I don't know yeah. if that's like going too far, but yeah, I mean, people are kind of losing their religion, and I have nothing against religion, nothing for like you know, I, I'm neutral on the subject. But it it's had an impact. Like the the reason nihilism's kind of becoming in vogue is because we're kind of saying, what do we turn to? But you know, yeah. to me, it's like especially the last line of the book, I hope it's my hope that it is hopeful in the sense that it's like, well, what do we do with what we know? You know, um, mm-hmm, that that's mm-hmm. kind of my take on it. It's like, if this is how we feel inside and, you know, we've kind of lost these, some of the myths that have carried us, you know, you know to this point, even though it's not something I deal with really in the novel, I don't deal with religion really. Um, right. Still like that idea is kind of like in this age of like hedonism and godlessness and, uh, like what's next. That's kind of my hope is that like the hope is implicit, <laughs> uh, for, you know, I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And, and Katie, not to, uh, not to put you too terribly much on the spot, just, uh, you know, looking for perhaps a, a slightly different perspective, uh, being so intimately close with this work and through all of the various iterations, um, Cold, how would you describe Emerald City? <laughs> oh, man. Now I'm going to have to perfect my pitch. This is hard. <laughs> um, I would say Emerald City is a very intense, moving work about the 
depth of our psyches and what how we face like issues in our world and how we as humans mm -hmm. navigate them and how we navigate each other when and we're not all like perfect so i think it's about the imperfections and and human beings and how we navigate those pitfalls really honestly mm -hmm. i think that's what that and being a, a pyrotechnic work of language. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I, I appreciate the insight. I thought, yeah, it's like maybe there's a, a counterbalance here and some, uh, you know, it's always good to get a different voice and a yeah. different perspective uh, when when we're uh, when we're all describing the same thing. I, I, I think that's a lot of fun because that's, you know, I mean, that that's really kind of how um, art is interpreted mm -hmm. you know it really is kind of like in the eye of the beholder and like what my take might be is completely different from what your take might be and it's it's always cool to to get those um, uh, different angles uh, so the the book is Emerald City it's the debut novel from Dead Rabbits Press and my guests are editor-in-chief Katie Rainey and author uh, Brian Birnbaum and we are talking about uh, Emerald City and Dead Rabbits uh, books that matter uh, here on Mike Cybert Radio, and you know, as um, uh, before we wrap up, um, and because I, I I know we've uh, got a handful of things to uh, to do later today, but um, I want to ask you the um, uh, the same questions that I like to ask uh, most of my creator friend guests that I have on the show. It's kind of like uh, I, I, a lot of my guests have interpreted this as the uh, job interview style questions but they're also kind of like my favorite of the interview uh, so it's kind of like a multi-legged uh, stool type of thing um, so first what I what I would like to ask is what uh, what has been your uh, biggest challenge as an artist um, and 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 as we go through you guys can riff off each other and individually answer if you like um, kind of what biggest challenge is how you've overcome that uh, and then moving into what the dream is, you know, kind of uh, shooting the moon and what the overall goal um, of your creative pursuit is. And to round it out, what advice you would have for folks that are eager to pursue their own creative interests. So let's uh, so let's start with challenges. What uh, uh, what do you guys think is uh, uh, the biggest challenge uh, to your creativity? I think the biggest challenge for artists is uh, balancing the the uh, desire to have their work out there, and also the and this is a paradox. You know, the the desire to have your work out there, and the need to not worry about that in order to create good art. Um, because you really do have to be in the moment. That's like the only way to, to write or to paint or to draw, whatever whatever your form might be. It's got to be pure. It's got to come from a place of purity, you know? Um, so like balancing that ego, I think, is the biggest challenge. And I guess a more tangible thing is really when I, when I had and lost that agent. It was like, you know, the matador cape. You know what I mean? It was like... yeah. Olay. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, it sucked. And, and at first I kind of repressed it and I was like, okay, this is just a matter of course is what happens. But it really did affect me because, you know, I was kind of let into the, into the house, so to speak, you know, into the, like in through the front gate and, and dealing with that, like you really just got to persevere. Like, I, I wish I had a more profound answer than that, but yeah. Um, yeah. yeah um, the only thing I can really, I really am coming back to right now for me is, the biggest challenge is speaking your truth 
I think like I'm really struggling with that um, in my novel because there's just some things where I'm like, do I want to put this out here? But at the same time, I'm like, this is what makes the story. And uh, this is like this is where the most like learning is and change is coming from. So Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. there's just some difficult things that I'm navigating. So I think really being honest with yourself and and putting your truth out there in your art is a difficult thing for me yeah yeah very cool so um so how about overcoming uh said challenges you just do it yeah yeah honestly (laughs) honestly it's one of those things where it's going to be so different for everyone and how everyone handles adversity is just so different i I, I almost i'm really hesitant to answer this question in some sort of direct way but sure i think man this is like my newfound spirituality speaking (laughs) But honestly, just to just to remember to be grateful for what like where, what you do have in your life, I, I do think that's really important. Um, because not all like we're not all going to turn into Martin Scorsese, you know. Like that's just the bottom. Like you know, to 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 bring up Dead Rabbits and you know Gangs New York, I guess. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> See, it all comes back around. Yeah, yeah, but that's the thing. It's like you know, now that I have a book out, it's not like I'm suddenly just like gleefully joyful. Like you know, yeah, to you know have a overwrought phrase or redundancy there but it's just, it's just like not it, it's it just doesn't work like that like mm-hmm. whatever whatever you whatever you want is probably gonna have to come from with within yourself you know it, it's probably not gonna happen by any sort of publication or you know notoriety or what what, what may you know yeah so i think to overcome the challenges is to remember like what you do what you do have and 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 that what you have needs to needs to start with yourself you know mm-hmm I think like for me, it's really about like the community piece and collaboration Mm. with other people. I mean, writers tend to be so such like isolated creatures that we forget that there are other people in the world. (laughs) And uh, definitely for me. Yeah, Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's definitely been a problem. It's really important to like talk to other people and meet other people and and exchange ideas and just to have conversations. So I think that's like a really big that's a really big thing for me is just being in conversation with other people helps my writing and my artistry like, you know, exponentially mm-hmm. to add all the adverbs. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, you know, so obviously you have you have the press, you have the reading series, you've got the podcast, you've got the novel, you've got, uh, you know, more novels uh, coming up in the works. Um, so... At this point, you're you're doing the thing, but I gotta ask, what's the dream? President. <laughs> nice, Frank Underwood. <laughs> yeah. We want to be the Underwoods. <laughs> Love no, it. that's that's pretty much the opposite of what we want to be. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, oh, I don't know, great. Katie. Katie, what what what, what is what is this for you? Dream? I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess just like. To really have a successful, thriving press that moves more and more people to read and to appreciate literature and to be to feel a part of the literary community Mm because like even even people who are readers can sometimes be like well I'm not a literary person and like like Mike you're a literary person so like I want to empower more people to feel 
like they that literature i mean literature and fiction is like what makes us humans you know what differentiates us from the other human species like you know thousands of years ago was the fact that we could lie (laughs) that we could tell (laughs) yeah that we could imagine and tell stories and i so i think like you know the dream really is not to be so pollyanna about everything but to like make sure that people feel empowered to own literature and that it belongs in daily conversation and i think i think that's really what our mission and dream is yeah i honestly not even saying anything different just but just to add to that uh, basically just to remind our culture that books are really important yeah and that um I, I so much respect what TV is doing now. Mm-hmm. Like it really has become something that is just like, I, I, I awe it every day. You know, I mean, there's some, there are shows that I just like idolize, but at the same time, there's nothing that can replicate narrative. And, uh, it's just, it, it's, it, I mean, Barack Obama said it himself. Like it's how he learned empathy was through fiction, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's like, it's it, in a way it's how you learn to be a, a person other yeah. uh, like, you know, other than through experience. So, um, you know, I, I just think, I, I just think it's so important and, mm-hmm. uh, I want to, I want to keep, uh, people interested in it, you know? Awesome. And, uh, finally to, to round out that, that arm of the, uh, job interview, uh, questions is, uh, and, and, and full disclosure, this is my favorite question to, uh, to ask folks is what advice would you have for folks that are interested in uh, in their creative pursuits, mm. email us. <laughs> <laughs> I I would say honestly, I would say do do what you really want to do, not what you think you should be doing. Mm-hmm. That's my best advice. I th- um, there was actually someone there was someone who reviewed my book recently. Did it wasn't it was less of a review than kind of like a commentary about how like she felt like she was reading up, you know, um, this goes back to yeah. kind of like maybe so like how, how, um, what my language, like the experience of my language can be like. Sure. And I was moved by the fact that she realized that she was kind of reading books that were more difficult just because she was insecure about how she was it, like, how, like what kind of writer she would be, mm. you know? Yeah, sure. And like her coming to that realization, I think is that is really important. It's like, are you reading what you really want to be reading? Are you writing how you really want to write? Or are you writing how you think you should be writing? Mm -hmm. And that applies to, I think like everything. And, uh, and that's what we're doing with dead rabbits. I mean, like, you know, it's an art in itself. We're doing it the way that we think it's, we, that we, we want to, it, it to be done, you know? So I guess like, and, and that, that like, this sounds cliche, but like, you know, this, it, this is what I did for my book. My book is not easy to read for a lot right. of people. And I didn't change it just because that was the case. I did what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my vision and I stuck to it. So, um, so again, that comes back to not chasing glory and fame and money and, you know, all this stuff that like a lot of people uh, that drives a lot of people. I, I, I don't think, mm-hmm. I, I think those things might come if you actually do what you want to be doing. Yeah, I think I'm not even being cheeky when I say email us. I mean, like, really, like, do it. Like, right. connect with other people who are yeah. doing your work. It's just the more support you have, the more likely you are to succeed, whatever success means to you, mm-hmm. but to be able to chase your dream. So we're mm-hmm. two people over here doing it, so we'd love to talk with more people. Yeah. 
Well, and on that tip, uh, can we let folks know how they can get in touch with you, uh, where they can connect? Uh, well, actually, yeah, how they can get in touch with you, how they can get the book, where they can find dead rabbits out on the Internet, and where can we connect with you guys on the social media? We've, we've transitioned into plug time. If there's something Plugging. that you want to plug, plug the heck out of it. Hold Katie, nothing back. Take it away. Take it away, Katie. <laughs> you can find us at deadrabbitsbooks.com. Um, and you can buy the book on there. You can buy it on Amazon, Dead Rabbits, or not Dead Rabbits, Emerald City by Brian Burma. I forgot the name of the book for a second. Uh, you know, we're on Facebook, Dead Rabbits, Twitter, Dead Rabbits, book at Dead Rabbits Books, at Dead Rabbits BKS, Instagram at Dead Rabbits Books. You can message us, DM us on all the platforms. You can email us at info at deadrabbitsbooks.com. You can send a smoke signal in the shape of a rabbit. We'll <laughs> we'll get it. All the things. Very cool. And if if I remember correctly, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but um, at one point wasn't there rumors that you were going to be perhaps doing some readings in the Seattle area? Maybe uh, maybe we later are. in the fall. Oh, I'm so happy you brought that up because I did not think to do that. <laughs> I was actually thinking about that earlier and then forgot it. So thanks for reminding yeah, me, Mike. Yeah. yeah. So Brian has a reading on October 23rd at the mm-hmm. University of Seattle. Do you want to? Yeah, the University Bookstore. University um, Bookstore. Oh, they have two. And now I don't know which one it's at. Well, it's, the, uh, it's the one I think that's in the U district. <laughs> well, it's it, on our website. It's on our website. Yeah, yeah. Check it out. You can, you can see where I'm doing all my readings and, and it'll be there. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're going to have a little like party get together on October 22nd and we'll put those details on our website. We'll certainly mm-hmm. send you an invite, Mike. We're going to, we're going to, Brian and our partner John are going to throw a little get together and awesome. take every like go bowling with everyone. Or <laughs> Very at, cool. at the garage. So. I don't know if you've ever been there, but the I garage have. Is like, that is the spot, man. I love that place. I used to go every Tuesday when I was living there. Yeah, it, it's great. My uh, my cousin had uh, had her thirtieth birthday party there once upon a time, and yeah, great Beautiful. great times were were had. I love garage. Awesome, oh. awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, thanks so much for having us. Yeah, this has thank been awesome. you. This is great. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, you're welcome. And, you know, we'll uh, we'll have to have you on again in the future. And maybe we can talk more about uh, music and how it influences uh, your writing. And because I, I know, Brian, you're a huge hip hop guy. Um, yes. So, yeah, I yes. know. Uh, I know a lot of that definitely comes in. But we'll have to we'll have to tease that for a future time, because I'm thinking uh, perhaps as we get closer into October, maybe we'll get together uh, real quick for uh, for a quick follow up and remind folks about the upcoming reading at the University Bookstore. Yeah. Um, I, I think that would be would... awesome. Very cool. Well, uh, before we part ways for now, any particular uh, shout outs or any final thoughts you'd like to like to share before uh, before we close out for now? No, we're great. We just say it again. Thank you, Mike. This was really lovely. Yeah. And when we talk about music, we'll go deeper than Macklemore to all, to all our Seattle people. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Cause the, there, there's definitely more to Seattle hip hop than Macklemore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, thanks again. Yeah. This has been great. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Well, thank you very much. And that will do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to listen to our past shows, subscribe on SoundCloud. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Like, share, rate, and review the show. It really does help. Mike Seibert Radio is produced by Dave Sanders for Mike Seibert Radio. My name is Mike. My name is Katie. My name is Brian. 
And until next time, make good choices. You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out ByDoorMusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio Production.